Blog Talk Radio. Come on, party people, get down, get in the groove. Come on, party people, get down, get in the groove. Come on, party people, get down, get in the groove. Burn, remix, up, go make your move. Ripping microphones is a habit, I got the fetish. Cooling in the crib with the brutes. It does run the folks loud. Giving you something that you could bounce to. Surround sound, tailor made the triangle L- or two. Word, LORD with militia. Coming to get you a vivid 3D picture. D-I-D-E-V, Mr. Tan. Had my girl the mic, Miss Toy ripped the j- Broadcast live and heard around the world. You are now listening to the most entertaining hour of radio on the planet. It's the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour presented by MyFFPC.com with your hosts, Eric Balkman and Dave Gerzak. The High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour is your home for football analysis from the best fantasy players in the world. And now, because no one else was available, here are Eric Balkman and Dave Gerzak. Thank you once again, Rob. Hello, everybody. Welcome to this June 26th episode of the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour presented by MyFFPC.com live from the Gatorade Studios. Support for the show is also provided in part by Castrol GTX. Castrol GTX double action formula cleans away old sludge while protecting against new sludge formation better than tough industry standards. For more information, visit Castrol.com. That's Castrol GTX, the official motor oil of the NFL. Greetings and salutations to all the Balkaholics and Gerzak and Annex in the chat room and listening around the world. I'm your slightly above average host, Eric Balkman, and my co-host is, of course, the Dizzle, Dave Gerzak. Tonight, we'll talk about another ascendant semifinalist who is not a running back and a couple of tight ends who have their hype train barreling down the rails. Plus, FFPC player Brian Pakula, who has made the main event championship round in seven of his eight years of high-stakes fantasy football and who finished in second place in his Pros vs. Joes League last year, joins the show to help us all become better high-stakes fantasy football players. Shout out to the chat room right now, Brothers Mayhem, Fantasy Smurf, Henry Mudo, Mint, Rednecks, Road Warrior, everybody is in there tonight. Feel free to post any questions you guys might have for myself, Dave, or Brian. If you want to connect with us on Twitter, you can do so at Hour at Eric Balkman, or at David Gerzak. Our Facebook page is facebook.com slash the high stakes fantasy football hour. And if you want to give us a call, please do so at 347-426-3682. That's 347 game over. The FedEx inbox is high stakes fantasy football at gmail.com. Our producer is our mutual friend Rob and our audio engineer is Bryce. They will get those questions to us hot and piping tonight uh, as we do the show in the uh, fantasy feedback is when we'll answer all of those. Dave. June 26th, this is our last show in June. This is our last show we'll actually do before the Football Guys Players Championship drafts kick off the 4th of July weekend. So things just motoring along uh, as we uh, are really in the thick of draft season right now. It's kind of, We're actually in the dog days of summer, Valk. You don't, don't dog, the, dog days of summer? Dog days of summer of the sports season, too. Nah. Because now, you know, you have the NBA is over. NHL is over. Baseball sucks. No one cares about it. The That's top, not the, true. The first two majors in golf are over. Right. And now, now we're just NBA waiting. draft just, is over. Yeah, now we're just waiting. Yes, the NBA draft. NBA that, free that, agency that, is coming up though. That's going to be fun. That's terrible. It's yeah. not terrible. I know, I know it, it, it you you are happen. all you are all about fantasy football, and that's that's what we're going to talk about on the show tonight. We have a lot of great we're stuff good. to get to. Uh, as a reminder for you, ladies and gentlemen, I said we're in the thick of draft season. If you want to sign up for drafts, go to myffpc.com, bang on that online satellite tab. There's slow drafts that are going up when they fill. We have live drafts going every day. 
Uh, if you want to pick up a team for the Football Guys Players Championship, I would advise you do it before Tuesday. There's only a few hours left. If you want to get a free Insider Pro subscription to footballguys.com, go to myffpc.com now and sign up for your register your Football Guys Players Championship team. You'll get that free Insider Pro subscription worth its weight in gold, ladies and gentlemen. Make sure you take advantage of that. And you can check out all the great stuff we have going on what at myfpc.com. What? What does the Football Guys Insider Pro weigh? Uh, I don't know, but um, it's got to be heavy. Yeah, it's there's some heavy stuff on that site. Gold's pricey. Remember, it was uh, it was always fifty thousand pages of content was the way football guys would ad- advertise that. I, I talked to Dodds actually. Oh, you did. Sorry to interrupt you, but yeah, that's all right. Um, well, you were yeah. We should talk about that. You were at the FSTA conference in New York. Yep. Shout rubbing out, elbows. Shout out, shout out to Jay Berg. I hung out with him for a while. Jay Berg, very cool. Yeah, he had he listens to the show all the time. Never live. He doubt, he says he doesn't never comes on to Blog Talk Radio. He's got this cool. I don't know. It's, he showed me an app that mm-hmm. just pulls all his podcasts in. So anyway, um, yeah, Jay. Dodd, by the way, email me. I want to see what that what yeah, that app he is. He told me what it is, but I forgot. It's like four bucks. Anyway, okay. Dodds was uh, great. Joe Bryan was there. Uh, some of the other you know great people in the industry are there. Um, but yeah, he said they're they're putting out twice as much content this year as last year. I mean, I couldn't even believe it. So if it if we print it on a hundred thousand pages, that's it's if, absolutely not worth its weight in gold at that point. No, I would disagree. Maybe in pewter. Think about all the money. We're giving away $300,000 to the Football Guys Players Champion. We're giving $300,000 to the FFPC Main Event Champion. It's, it's worth a lot of money, Dave, <laughs> that subscription. Anyway, yeah, I want to yeah, yeah. thank Draft Sharks, Football Guys. Um, oh, Leonard Davis. Remember the former lineman for the Arizona Cardinals? Yeah. I'm now friends with him on LinkedIn. <laughs> Just accepted my uh, request. Exciting. I want to thank Draft Sharks. Thousand people you spam. Football guys, whatever. Draft Sharks, football guys, and Roto World all helped uh, Rob and I put together uh, tonight's rundown. I'll lead things off with Demarco Murray. Demarco Murray, Dave, has converted converted thirty six point five percent of his carries from inside the ten yard line over the last two years. This is according to NumberFire.com's Graham Barfield. That's fourth among all running backs. Nine. Percentage points better than LaShawn McCoy was, uh, considering that Philly had the third most rush attempts in the league from inside the 10 in 2013 and 2014. Uh, that's a big deal. McCoy only had five touchdowns last season. DeMarco Murray, we're not nobody's really talking about this. We talk about him every week. He no, but he could you be him up he week. could be massive for the touchdowns that he is gonna score for the Eagles this year. I, I would tend to agree. I, that he's obviously gonna score more than five, he's probably gonna score more than 10. Would That's, you assuming he's healthy, of course? Right. Would you take him with a late first round pick, or is he as purely a second round guy for you at this point? No, I would consider him there. Why not? Okay. Total sense. Are you, I, I, I think it's it's weird because I mean, in fact, why not? I mean, even earlier, where is he going right now? End of the first round. Yeah, I mean, I think he could go earlier. I mean, you could make why why wouldn't you? We really differentiate how much better is Jamal Charles than Murray. You know, Charles is super old. Yeah. I mean, Murray's getting up there a little bit, but this is a total rush based attack. So if you don't believe that, you know that. That Ryan, what's his name, isn't it? Yeah, the guy with the Matthews with one T. I don't think he's going to do much. So I think I think Murray's definitely worth it. I think is more as I look at this season more and more. You know how I love to start off with one stud running back in the first round and then just pound like three or four receivers right in a row. I think this year I might just skip that running back with as as much as those running backs have busted over the past few years. I'm having a problem picking the right one. Or, or one of the few that don't bust in the first round. I think I might just pound out three or four receivers and then just hit on running backs or try to hit on running backs after that. Yeah, it's fine. Go I don't, I don't know if Murray would be on many of my teams this year, but that I, is. If you do that, you're right. He probably will not. Will he not would be. be on zero. Dave, NFL.com's Chris Westling says Allen Robinson has been unbelievable in practice, according to Blake Bortles. The quote. 
He's definitely a threat now in the red zone. He's physical. He can run and do everything out in the open field. So he's been fun to throw to, said Bortles. Uh, 70 passes. I mean, you're probably taking the over on Allen Robinson catching 70 balls this year in that offense, correct? Yeah. I mean, we, we like, we've liked him ever since he came up. Uh, I think he's great. I should. We liked him over Marquise Lee. Drafters liked him over Marquise Lee right. in, in Dynasty Leagues. He proved it immediately that he's better than Marquise Lee. He's, by the way, Alan Hearns, I, just, I don't know if this is on your rundown. It's it's not, but I know what you're going to go yeah, ahead. Alan Hearns is supposedly the number two right now in the offense. And Alan Hearns looked great last year. I thought I think he's like a super late-round sleeper that gets no respect. And you know who is maybe getting no respect in this offense now is Marquise Lee. Mm-hmm. With Julius Thomas, Alan Hearns potentially starting, Alan Robinson crushing it, TJ Yeldon obviously going to be commanding some touches in that offense. Yeah, he's going to score 13 points a game. So, I mean, well, but okay, so that there is something to be said for that. And we're going to talk to Brian Pakula about what he thinks about drafting players uh, on. Uh, I'm going to write down the teams we talk about. So we don't talk about are going to talk, uh, we're going to talk to him about drafting, you know, players on, on bad offenses and, and what his philosophy is on that. But Allen Robinson, man, is he a top 20 guy this year? Top 20 receiver? I mean, maybe. He's got a shot at it. I mean, that's a true breakout for him. I mean, absolutely. What it wrote your Allen Robinson colored glasses, Dave, if you're wearing them? Um, yeah, I mean, I would say around 20th. If, I, if, if I'm wearing rose colored glasses, I would actually say maybe a little higher, but I wouldn't actually predict him to be there. I, w- I would say, um, as far as Robinson goes, I think he is going to be on a lot of your teams this year, as long as the hype doesn't get out of control. And this is what I teased at the top of the show. I think he could be an ascendant type guy this year. Yeah, I don't think he's going to be our ascendant, but he definitely is going to move up. Why wouldn't he be our ascendant? Be- uh, because I mean, I he could. I mean, he's never going to move into that really kind of way up there, skyrocketing territory. I mean, maybe if he blows up in a few preseason games. Yeah, it makes possible. it makes a couple of big plays. Bortles says he. What are you doing? He, by he's, I'm checking his ADP right now. Good so, God! So he is going in the fifth round right isn't now. It, isn't, what's Rob's job? Early what's, fifth. What's he doing? He's monitoring the audio after the problems we had last week. I think he's looking at cat pictures on Instagram. I think he's doing both. He certainly is uh, talented enough. So anyway, Alan Robinson going in the early fifth round right now. I think he could move up to that third round area. That I mean, to me, that seems really early. I mean, that, I mean, not really early, but that. So you wouldn't take him that high? No, you're taking him kind of at his ceiling. I mean, I guess the only way you're getting any value there is if he becomes a WR1. And what are the odds of that in Jacksonville's offense? I mean, it's totally possible. Most wide receivers that have become truly elite do break out in their second year. But even guys who become studs in their second year, they don't generally, they're not playing at their ceiling. That's usually like their third, fourth year. So, I mean, that's a, that's a, that's a stretch to me, taking the third round. Well, let's uh, move on from a guy we think, or at least I think, could be the Ascendant this year to a guy who was the Ascendant two years ago. The Tampa Tribune says Doug Martin has had his best offseason in three years. Now, you remember a few weeks ago or maybe a month or so we were doing the show, everybody was talking about Charles Sims, Charles Sims, Charles Sims. That's who this regime took. This is who they wanted to succeed. He's a pass catcher. He only averaged 2.8 yards per carry last year. Uh, And Doug Martin... not been great the last couple of years, but in 2012, 319 carries, 1,454 yards, and 11 touchdowns. Dave, the chances that he gets back there uh, this year uh, are still slim. But the fact is, where you're, where you have to get him, uh, is not a big price. And I think at this point, he's probably leapfrogged Charles Sims in ADP after Sims moved past him earlier in the off season. I think Martin's now ahead of him. He's a heavy favorite to start uh, at tailback. Uh, for the uh, for the Buccaneers this year, I got to think that Martin. If if you do a strategy that I was talking about earlier in the show, where you just totally eschew running backs and and take a bunch of receivers and maybe a tight end, Doug Martin's the type of guy that you'd be looking for later on as maybe your first running back or second running back this year. 
I mean, Doug Martin, you know, that whole offense, both of those guys are, you know, because no one really knows what's going on. They're both kind of far down on the list. Right. Once one becomes named the starter, they move up to like the fifth round. The one thing that I just kind of want to bring up about Sims versus Martin, um, if you go back to when they are coming out, athletic, their athletic profiles, right. Charles Sims, actually, and I didn't like him coming out of college and into the NFL. His, his combine times were not that great. He had a 4-3-0, 20-yard shuttle and a 7-1-6 three-cone drill. As an agility metric, that's an 11.46. Compare that, and again, we're going way back for Doug Martin. Doug Martin, a 6.79 three-cone and a 4.16 20-yard uh, shuttle. So, I mean, he's under 11 in the agility area, and he's bigger. So, I don't know. I mean, if you look at their athletic profiles, I like Doug Martin better from that perspective. If they're both like playing optimally, I mean, Martin should is technically the better athlete. Shouldn't I mean? I, I would say the chances are better than fifty percent that Martin is the. I mean, not necessarily that Martin is the guy, but that there is a guy this year, and then there's a third down guy. Like we don't foresee a RBBC situation developing in Tampa, right? So At least I don't. So you're saying you're saying that you think there is going to be a third down guy? I, I think that Sims will not he he will not have like a series where he just goes in. You know? Oh yeah, like they're not just switching off. Right. Yeah, I think I mean if I had to bet right now, I would say Doug Martin gets the first and second down work occasionally, gets some third downs, but that Sims is the third down back because they keep on pimping how good of a third down back he is. Pass catcher, whatever, yeah. what have you. We have Brian Pakula coming up in just a couple minutes here, ladies and gentlemen. Before we get to him, let's talk about another Buccaneer, Mike Evans, trained oh. with the great Randy Moss this offseason. Love the Buccaneers. Now, keep talking Bucs. Okay, now here, I bring this up because I don't think we've talked about Mike Evans a ton on this show. There's apparently, I, I'm not involved in you know fantasy Twitter or whatever it is that you know everybody else is involved in out there, but apparently there's been a lot of people talking about Mike Evans is going to regress. He's not going to catch that many touchdowns this year. And then there's kind of a blowback. Like, well, why can't he catch that many touchdowns? Why, why is he necessarily going to regress? How do we know what we saw last year isn't what we're going to see from Mike Evans? He was the 13th wide receiver last year as a rookie, Dave. Where does he end up among receivers this year? Is he a top 12 guy for you? Because he's going, I think, at the late second round is his ADP right now. Late second, early third. I think it's a little bit risky. He had a lot of touchdowns. Uh, Vincent Jackson had very few touchdowns. They're talking about using Vincent Jackson in the slot and moving him around. I think VJAX catches more touchdowns and it just does a little bit better overall, even though he's aging. I'd be a little leery of drafting Mike Evans that high, and I'd probably be more inclined to buy VJAX on the cheap. And I'm assuming. Oh, yeah, that's a good idea. I'm assuming VJAX is the type of player that once draft day rolls around, especially the high stakes draft, no one's no one's going to want him. No. Just be like, yeah, you're uh, right. He's going to be the crappy guy, the old guy that no one kind of wants. And then. And then, you know, and then he catches like nine touchdowns to go along 70 catches for 1,100 yards, and boom, easy, easy value. Could he be the 2015 HSFFL or descendant? <laughs> I wish we Plunging had... <laughs> down draft boards. Vincent Jackson, we, ladies and gentlemen. We need a name for a guy like, for the, uh, I, like the Steady Eddie veteran or whatever. Well, I mean, but he, but he could be much better than Steady Eddie. I mean, he could have a very good season this year. Because you, talk, you want to talk about Mike, Mike Evans regressing to the mean. Uh, you could see Vincent Jackson regressing to the mean and, and – I know it's technically regressing, but he would actually have a better season since he kind of had a down year last year with not a lot of touchdowns. So you could have him progressing. Yeah, it's as possibly it true. I mean, you know, Evans is obviously – he is very talented. Um, I, I think Seamus is actually going to be fine. Right. Um, can we stop calling him that on the show? For, no, I, mean, I can just, call him whatever I want to call him. Just because you're an FSU fan, I'll call him Seamus' whole career, Bob. All right. Ready great. for 14 more years of this. Can't wait. Fine, maybe I'll At least, you know what? I'll take it if he's in the NFL for 14 years. <laughs> that, that, that would be good to see. I think Austin Safarian Jenkins on that offense. I think he's, you know, with that, 
that offense coordinator, I think he's a big breakout candidate. And we've talked about him quite a bit on the show, and I'm kind of I with you like on him. that. He's he's actually climbing up draft boards a little bit. So, yeah. uh, final point I'm going to get to before we get to tonight's guest, Clive Walford, a rookie tight end from Oakland. There's been a lot of buzz going on with him as well. Obviously, uh, Michael Rivera is still there in Oakland, but Clive Walford been playing really well so far with uh, catching balls from uh, from Derek Carr. I know we don't have high hopes for rookie tight ends normally. Is there any fantasy value for Clive Walford as a backup tight end in the FFPC this year? No, maybe in a DE league. If, you know, if you're doing redraft, I, I guess so. But Same, you, you know, uh, Mike Santos liked him. He was, oh, really? He, he kind of pimped him off to me a little bit. Was this after the Raiders drafted him, or was this? No, it was after. The, yeah, after okay. Him. He was thinking of taking. It was in some dynasty league. He was talking about taking Gates or Walford. Huh. So, wow, Gates or Walford? Yeah. I think oh, he, dynasty. Yeah. Yeah, dynasty. Yeah. Um, you would not take Rivera and Walford in DE, would you? I probably wouldn't take Rivera. I would just probably take Walford. Walford. Just go for like, broke, baby. Super late, though. I mean, right? Yeah, I'm, I'm don't mean to. He's make got it some. Dy- he's got some dynasty um, potential. I, I like him there. Did you get him in any dynasty leagues this year, Clive Walford? I don't know if I did. I don't, I don't think I did. Oh, Clive, no, our, buddy, uh, our buddy Kurt did in his league. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, good for Kurt. He was like, "Who should I take here?" And he gave me a list of, like six guys. I'm like, "Oh, Santos likes Walford," and he's like, "According to Santos." And he <laughs> Oh, is that his team name in that too? Or no, no? but no. he just, just okay. you know, thought it would be funny. Ladies and gentlemen, it is uh, about that time to bring in tonight's guest. He's been playing fantasy football before the internet even existed for more than 20 years since his high school days. He and his brother, Eric Fakula, have shared in high-stakes fantasy football league since 2007. They started in the FFPC in 2011, and since 07, they have made it to the main event postseason shootout. Course, weeks 14 to 16, the championship round in seven out of those eight seasons. In 2014, they participated in the pros versus Joes and ended in second place. Uh, in addition to fantasy football teams, Dave, they've also built a real estate team and are ranked as the number five Remax team in the United States of America. Damn, how do you have time to talk to us? You got to be on a showing right now. Probably. Please welcome one half of that number five ranked team, Mr. Brian Pakula. Brian, how's it going, man? Good evening, good evening. Greetings from the Crab Cake State. The Crab Cake <laughs> State, indeed. I love Crab Cakes, Dave. Are you a fan of Crab Cakes? I do like them, yeah. And I'll eat, you know, even if I'm, even if I'm, uh, you know, in Wisconsin and That's somebody's a- serving crab cakes, I know they're not going to be that great, but I'll still eat them. You know, the, the best seafood restaurant in town, Red Lobster. Red Lobster. Yep. That's what <laughs> sucks, my friend. So tell me about Remax. How many Remax agents are there? There's got to be like, what, 50,000 or how many? There's a ton of them. Remax agents, I believe we were up to a hundred thousand globally. And you're and you're five. Yeah, five. Uh, number one for for Maryland. Number number one Remax team in Maryland. And uh, yeah, yeah, it's it's a great business. That's incredible. Congratulations, man. That's awesome. You get you must just be working your tail off. Sell, you know, selling houses, doing showings. I mean, it just must it never must end for you. How do you find time to play fantasy? Oh, you, you just book it in the schedule. We, uh, we, uh, we know it's funny. You can, you can, we sell real estate from fantasy football. We're, we're in leagues where we, uh, have other team members, our, our other, our other teams there that we end up selling houses to eventually. So, uh, way to do some business and pleasure at the same time. Oh, that is the, the, you know what that is, Dave? That's living the dream. That is living the dream. <laughs> that is awesome. Let, I, I gotta, we, so there's, there's a coastal property in Maryland is right. Is that you sell some of the coastal houses? No, we're between uh, Baltimore and DC, so we're we're inland. Uh, All right, right on. That's awesome. That, man, that's just amazing. 
Well, let's talk about uh, your amazing finish in pros versus Joe's last year. Among everybody, you finished 11th. You finished second in your league, just short of winning your league last year, uh, losing by 29 points. Uh, talk a little bit about, Brian, what, what what went right for you for that team in 2014? And since you're in this year's pros versus Joe's as well, are you going to change anything strategy-wise in this 28-round draft experts format? Sure, sure. Uh, I think last year there was four key things that went right for us. Uh, we uh, we went heavy on uh, stud running backs in the first three rounds. We drafted uh, Shady McCoy, Arian Foster, and then probably the steal of the draft in the third round, Marshawn Lynch. Um, so that was huge. They 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 ended those three guys ended in the top 12 running backs for the season. So we had three studs throughout the season. Um, secondly, we took Macklin in the sixth round, who ended up being a top 10 receiver, and Steve Smith in the 14th round. Um, the third area where we excelled was our, our tight end. We went kind of late, uh, and we took in the seventh round, we took Martellus Bennett, who ended as the top four tight end. And then probably the key to our draft was our quarterbacks. We went very late on QBs. In fact, my, my brother, Eric, was, was, was sweating during the draft. Like, we're not going to have any QBs. Uh, but we ended <laughs> up taking five QBs, and nice. they were just we, – we had bookend by uh, – Eli and Philip Rivers were our two consistent QBs. And then we had, get this, Brian Hoyer, <laughs> Ryan Fitzpatrick, <laughs> and Michael Vick. <laughs> so yes. Fitzmagic had that game. I think he had, what, five TDs or six in that one game. And so you know, we just ended up having a lot of QBs starting throughout the season, which really helped us out um, and during the season. Um, that's amazing. So I mean, that's just as, amazing. I, I love the five quarterbacks that are taking them all late. Like yeah, that. we've seen people do that in PVJ before, and it hasn't worked out. But obviously, the Pakulas, in the same way that they know how to sell houses, Dave, they know how to draft quarterbacks. <laughs> oh, brother. <laughs> so, yeah, I think so you got to get a consistent QB is the key. You know, guys that show Absolutely. up every day like Eli and Phil, they don't have <laughs> yeah. So true. Uh, so talk to us a little bit about tight ends. Uh, for someone who hasn't played in the FFPC before, what type of advice would you give them? What What's the best way to handle tight ends when they start flying off the board, you know, a little bit earlier and everyone, you know, they start to panic, especially because they're a newbie. Well, I think that's the key word. Don't panic. Uh, especially this year. I, I'm not, I'm not really high on, on tight ends is uh, I think uh, from about tight end three to about tight end 20, they're going to be pretty even. So unless you're getting the top two Gronk and Jimmy Graham, I, I would wait. And wait till value hits and grab two solid ones from approximately around like five through eight. So guys like Julius Thomas, Efert, um, and then if you take that strategy, you end up in late in the draft. Make sure you take a, a guy who's got upside like Austin Seraphin Jenkins from Tampa. Um, if you go early on tight end, and you probably shouldn't get a, a second tight end until after tight end twenty is off the board. Talking with Brian Piccolo, it's finished second in his pros versus Joe's league last year, made the uh, main event championship round in seven out of his eight years playing in high stakes fantasy football. Brian, uh, continuing the tight end talk, when Jimmy Graham was traded to the Seattle Seahawks, uh, many fantasy owners were, were looking to, okay, who's going to take his place? Who's going to get those targets? And obviously the main name that keeps coming up is Josh Hill, Josh Hill, Josh Hill. There's been a lot of hype about Josh Hill in that Saints offense. Do you think he's getting to be a little bit overrated? Uh, where do you think he finishes among tight ends this year? Uh, it's funny. I was talking to a friend about this the other day, and uh, 
he says, Josh, who? <laughs> so, <laughs> so, you know, fantasy guys like us, we know who Josh Hill is, but he's like, oh, I've never even seen that guy play. So, uh, but yeah, I, I do think he's overrated. Um, I think he certainly has some value, but probably more about tight end 20 to 25. Um, you know, Jimmy Graham, he's a stud. Uh, so Josh Hill is definitely no Jimmy Graham. I think Cooks is going to steal a lot of quick hits from the offense. Um, Spiller, Spiller, I think is going to be huge in New Orleans, and he's going to catch a lot of balls out of the backfield. Um, I'm also hearing Ben Watson is going to start right now, um, so you know he'll probably will be in the move tight end position. But uh, right now it's, it's kind of up in the air, and you know most importantly he's he's very much unproven. Um, Last year, I think week five, Jimmy Graham got hurt. And um, if I remember correctly, that game he had approximately um, 50 yards catching. So there is some signs of life there. But um, and, he, and he also had a few touchdowns, I think five last year. So he appears to be pretty strong in the red zone. But, um, yeah, it's just too much, too many question marks to, to, to say he's going to be a stud. Let me follow that up real quick. You mentioned Spiller. Uh, what what do you think about if he does get some of those uh, targets that Jimmy Graham was getting last year? How good can Spiller be this year? Uh, it, I, I think if he stays healthy, he's going to be a stud. Uh, you know, I just actually read some that 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 last year the Saints led the NFL in catches out of the backfield. I think it was 166 targets the the Saints running backs had, and so uh, it, he's I mean huge upgrade over over Pierre Thomas and uh, uh, their cast of characters they had last year. So I think his upside is huge. 70, 80 catches is certainly uh, possible for him. So we're, we're talking uh, with Brian here, and I guess I want to talk to you a little bit about, you, know, you mentioned uh, in your last pose versus Joe's, you went running back, running back, running back, then four wide receivers. Is that typically how you do it in the first seven, eight rounds of your drafts, or do you do more are you if you see some value at the wide receiver position, will you kind of go that direction early on? Well, certainly, I think the key to any drafting is to is to get value. So if, if there's a position that people are sleeping on, uh, getting ahead, getting those players, and then, and then what what my brother and I always talk about is getting ahead of the curve. So trying to pick a player or a position where you believe everybody else is going to go pick after you. Um, so certainly, in a regular format it's a little different when you're doing the uh, uh, draft experts type format uh, but in a regular format I do think you want to try to fill um, you know two running backs two wide receivers uh, at least a QB and a tight end um, this particular year I, I like the depth again at tight end or more so that I think it's even in the tight end position and I think quarterback as well is pretty even so uh, you know I, I may I may not follow that strategy this year. I may get load up on running backs and receivers early in the draft. Let's talk a couple of, about a couple of those running backs. Uh, obviously, one of the most hotly contested running back battles this year is going to be in Hotlanta with uh, Tevin Coleman, Devontae Freeman. Now, we know Devontae Freeman's running with the starters down there, um, but I don't know how much of that is veteran, you know, preference for the coaches to give Freeman the nod there over Coleman. Where do you stand on Freeman versus Coleman this year? Are you targeting Freeman, Coleman, neither, or are you trying to lock up both of them? I'd say generally I'm going to target neither of them unless they would drop to me in the draft. Uh, you know, certainly preseason is going to play a huge role into this battle. Um, if either of them can can get the 
majority of carries or an injury happens, then I do think there's a tremendous value there uh, with that offense and the coaching of Shanahan. Um, But last year, Freeman didn't overly impress me. Uh, So I would think that maybe with an extra year of experience that he has uh, the upper hand and I think he has PPR receiving skills. Um, I believe he had 30 catches last year in a part-time role. And Jack Rogers was there, who's now gone. So I think he's got PPR upside. So if I had to choose one, I would start with Freeman. But Coleman apparently is a home run hitter and uh, could be explosive. So I would I would generally target neither. Um, but if I can get either or both late, then great. Or, shoot, might as well go all in. If you're going to get one, go ahead and get the other. Handcuff them. So let me ask you this. This is an important question for listeners of our show because we always talk about in the news reports about all these bad offenses for some reason or another. They love to assemble it. And so how nervous do you get about drafting players on bad offenses? We're always trying to find the breakout guy. But if he's a breakout player on a bad offense, are you still interested or are you just following following what we call the uh, Baker boy rule of, hey, that offense, it doesn't score touchdowns? Yeah, coming from a Baltimore guy, I can tell you right now, I will not draft any Cleveland Browns. <laughs> Ever? No Browns here. Ever? <laughs> uh, probably not. <laughs> so, yeah, I try to avoid bad offenses like the plague. Um, uh, I think, you know, certain Latavius Murray and, and the Raiders might be something to think about. Uh, Cooper has got some upside, but, I mean, it's just frustrating. When those teams are down and – uh, especially if you're running back, and those, the, not only their offenses are bad, their defenses are bad, and they they give up on the run game, and you're just you're just frustrated. So, I do try to avoid the bad offenses. And Brian, I don't know if you can uh, I don't know if you can corroborate this, but I know when I've done it in the past, as far as uh, drafting good uh, drafting players uh, on good offenses, you know, trying to get a piece of that offense versus drafting you know, bad or good players on bad offenses. I I'll watch games. And if I have a guy like, let's say Latavius Murray, and he's just stinking up uh, the joint because Oakland had to abandon the run and they're passing. I'm like, why would I, what was I thinking? Why would I take him when I know that offense is terrible? And if I'm looking at a guy like, let's say, um, uh, who's a good example, uh, uh, T.Y. Hilton or something like that. And let's say Luck throws four touchdowns, one to Moncrief, two to Andre Johnson, one to Fleener. Uh, I'll be frustrated that Hilton didn't get catch the touchdown, but at least I know, like, look, I had multiple chances at it. Like, it, it, maybe it wasn't that far away, whereas Latavius Murray just never had a shot because they weren't giving him the ball. They weren't giving him the opportunity to score touchdowns this year. Uh, I think it's it's easier to own a player on a good offense, uh, even if he's you know not getting as many touches as a player on a bad offense. I think I'd much rather root for my fantasy team that way. Does that make sense to you? Yeah, I mean, part of fantasy football is entertainment, right? So you, you want to have fun and <laughs> – and, you know, you obviously want to see touchdown receptions and, and plays, but sometimes just cheering for it and hoping to get it, and even though you don't get it, it's still fun in itself. So, yeah. Um, but you want your you want your player to have at least a chance, at least a chance to try to score. Brian Pakula is our guest tonight on the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour. Uh, finished in the uh, Pros vs. Joe's 11th overall last year, second in his league made the main event championship round in seven of his eight years of playing HSFF. We just talked about it. 
bad offenses. I'm not sure what to classify Jacksonville as this year yet, but I know they were bad last year, and Allen Robinson was a part of that offense. We've been talking him up on the show tonight. Where do you stand on Allen Robinson this year, Brian? Are you as high on him as we are? Uh, where, where do you approximately have him as your wide receiver number are you taking him at? Well, we talked about, you know, everything falling into place for him. He could finish between top 15 and top 20. Now, neither of us think that that is extraordinarily likely, but for sure a top 30 guy this year. Yeah, I I, I think, you know, I think you, playing for the Jaguars is just stay away from, again, the, the offense. And so uh, it concerns me. Uh, he's obviously a second-year player, and um, – he did have impressive, impressive 10 games there. He had 48 catches in 10 games last year. So if you extrapolate that over 16 games, he, he'd probably be about 80 catches for the season. So he's got upside, but I think there's so many other solid receivers on good offenses out there. Uh, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't target him from uh, that high. Uh, wide receiver 25, maybe. But I, I like much more receivers in, in that category uh, than, than – uh, All right, so let me just interject – Balky, I think we're gonna, we're putting I think we're putting a ban on all this on this bad offense talk. So what we should do, and you know, Brian, let me you know, tell me what you think of this. We can just take like ten offenses and ten teams and cross them off our question news whatever list, and we can just talk about all the good teams. Wait, Balky, is, is what that, about the good teams? Is is that what it is? Is that the cutoff? Like two thirds of the offenses in the NFL are worth talking about, and then the the, the bottom third is those are the bad ones. Is that yeah, is that right. the? What do you think about about a third? That's probably about right. I mean, yeah, certainly, again, you don't ever not look at a player, but it, the question is, does he drop to you? Or, you know, are, you, are you taking the Martavius Bryant on a Pittsburgh offense or uh, number two receiver versus a uh, potential number one in Allen Robinson? But look at the QB. Look at the other weapons on the Cleveland. table. Is he going to be double teamed or not? Cleveland, Oakland? Yeah, but let's keep going. Brian, would, would, you, class, Arizona. would you classify Buffalo uh, in, in, uh, as, as a bad offense this year? Buffalo. Well, their QB play is going to be a big question mark there. Um, I think they have a lot of weapons. Um, so I think that their offense actually could be middle of the road with that running game. Uh, they've had a solid defense in the past, So, but passing-wise, I would, I would be worried. Uh, but they did add a lot of pieces. So would I consider them in the bottom third? No. I, I, would think, I think Buffalo can be in the middle of the pack. Interesting. What about the Jets? Is that oh. – <laughs> Brian, what do you think? That's a bottom third (laughs) offense in the NFL. Oh, yeah. Jets, uh, I feel bad for Brandon Marshall. I think he's going to (laughs) be complaining a lot this year. Poor (laughs) fella. I wonder if he gets overdrafted based on just name recognition. I know he's getting older, but. He could be. How many do we have there? Do we have six? One, two, three, four. I I mean, five. Okay, we we got five. Here's here's it. I'm going to. We got an email for Brian that I'm going to read. I want everybody in the chat room right now, list your low, like your bottom 11 offenses in the NFL. And our promise to you is we will never bring them up on the show until – can we talk about it after the season starts at least? What? The bad offenses. We just won't bring them up in the pre-draft. No, we should no, we should no longer talk oh, about ever. them. ever? No. Until well, next season? Well, until next season. They have to prove themselves that they're at least a, a okay. top 20 offense. Fair enough. Mutual friend I mean, you Rob. Talk, you talk about – I mean, anyway. Yeah, mutual sure. friend Rob says Tampa Bay. What about that? I think Tampa Bay has a, has a chance to be a pretty good offense, okay. actually. Right. As much as I talk Seamus down because of his, you know, personal conduct, he's still a number one draft, number one overall draft pick. Right. With, uh, you know, really good weapons around him, actually. Yeah. 
Wasp, uh, Wasp guy uh, says Oakland. We have Oakland on the list right now. So I'm going to read this email to Brian. Uh, Brian, this this came in from you. Uh, it, uh, it's a funny one. Hi, Brian. For the 18th straight year in a row, is this the season Ladarius Green breaks out? Mike McCoy is already talking him up. Signed, broken record Tom in Salt Lake City, Utah. So what do you think about Ladarius Green this year, Brian? Wow. I think uh, I think Gates is never going to quit uh, playing football. <laughs> so... Uh, no, I think he doesn't break out. Uh, I, I love to see him. I love to give him, they should absolutely give him the chance, but, uh, I think Gates has got another season of solid production. And so I'd say, no, not going to happen. That's funny. Everyone wrote Gates off last year. He went super late. I know we talked about this already and now he's just going, he's going a bit higher. It's worth mentioning again, but your right. philosophy is you're staying away from Gates this year. Not necessarily, but I'm not going to pay up a premium for him. Right. I mean, he's not, he's a year older now, although he doesn't get hurt much. He missed one game, I think last year. And they're talking about scaling his snaps back too, which ostensibly should mean less of a chance of injury. I would think. And less of a chance of you know, catching a pass while you're not out there. Or a touchdown. <laughs> uh, Brian, uh, it's been so, so good to have you on tonight. I do have a one final question, uh, before we let you go, uh, and enjoy your, uh, crab cakes and selling homes. Um, we, uh, we want to ask you a player that you want to make sure you have on all of your teams this year, uh, redraft, and then, uh, a player that you are staying away from in 2015. Ooh, one player. That's a, that's a tough question. Uh, I'm, I'm excited and, and I know he's old, but uh, I'm excited about Frank Gore. Um, right now, I see him right now average draft position around fourth round. And uh, even though he's he's 32, he just turned 32. Amazingly, I looked at this. I looked at this. He's played 16 games in the last four years straight. And uh, unlike Demarco Murray last year. He only he only averages about 250 touches or at least running back uh, runs rushes a year, um, and he's averaged 4.4 yards a carry over the last four year seasons, and that's with of course San Francisco. So now I'll plug him into the amazing Colts offense. So going back to good offenses and and bad offenses, I mean Colts are are just unbelievable. And uh, so if you look at Dan Heron, for example, in, in the playoffs last year, three games, he averaged seven catches a game. So PPR for, for Frank Gore, I think, is huge. In that offense, his, his potential goal line looks is, is huge. Um, he will not face stack bosses with luck and all his weapons out there, so he's going to have a spread out field. Um, he's also very easy to handcuff late in the draft. So... Uh, I don't know if people are going to go in and draft someone like Dan Heron. You know, so if you want last pick in the draft to back yourself up, it's pretty easy. Um, so I think he, he definitely ends in the top 10 running back, and I'm going to go on the record as a crazy prediction, but possible top five finish. Wow. Nice. You know, you know what? After hearing that argument, can't really disagree with uh, with that at all. He's not guaranteeing it, saying a good shot. I, I could see, I could see Gore being a top five, especially when you consider all the running back busts, all the players that at the start of the season we think are going to be in the top five and top ten, and then they don't end up there. So I think Gore playing on an elite offense that makes a lot of sense. Gore has an NFL body too. The, the guy is just a machine. Yeah. He just, it just seems like he never gets hurt. He's that just does, one of those dudes who's just made to get it. Yeah. You forget. Brian, that what about a, a too? 
and that's another underrated point of of uh, of of what Gore is going to bring to that Colts offense this year. What about a, a guy you're avoiding uh, this year, Brian? All right, now it's funny because you guys were just talking about him, and uh, uh, so very another really bold prediction. But end of the first round, beginning of the second round, I'm going to avoid Demarco Murray. Ah, All right. there we go. Okay. So I, I gotta love uh, Chip Kelly's offense. You gotta love that potential. You gotta love that the running back. But first few rounds of players, I want a running back that I know is gonna take the ball all three downs. So you know you're losing third down work to Sproles. And everything I'm reading right now, and of course you can't read anything, you can't you can't trust anything that Chip Kelly says. But uh, you know Ryan Matthews are saying they're, they're gonna absolutely uh, share the carries, and so. If you look at, at Murray, he's coming off 393 touches last season, and he had 40, excuse me, not touches, rushes in the, in the, in the postseason. So that's over 400 rushes last year. So i got to imagine he's still cutting out of the ice tub right now. And prior to last year, he's never played in all 16 games. He doesn't have Tony Romo at QB, as uh, Bradford, I think, with his bad uh, leg there. He doesn't have a stud wide receiver in Dez, help people from stacking the box. And most importantly, he just got paid. My boy just got paid $21 million guaranteed. He's not in a contract year. So all these things, to me, I mean, granted, if you can get him like in the beginning of the third or a little later, he could be good. But that early, I, I want a stud guy that's going to get the rock. That makes a lot of sense. Nice. I, I'm I, much in the same way. I flip flopped over Steven Jackson literally eight times on the same show last year, flipping back and forth on Demarco Murray. Now, which way did you end up flip when when the coin got on a flipping ball? Were you which were which flip did you have? Well, with knowing Jackson? knowing my previous high stakes experience, I'm assuming I loved him at at, <laughs> at, at the end of it. I don't think you had him on many teams against hockey, man. Nah, you know why? Because Meyer the liar was. Uh, just sniping him, yeah. Sniping. Was that him one of the him. guys he took on you in that auction? Yeah, that was no. It wasn't. It was a. It was a oh, main event. Oh, and that's what he lied. To we were telling you he lied, and he's I, so frustrated. Anyway, Brian doesn't need to hear this. Brian, Let him go because I want to talk about Meyer the liar. We'll talk about Meyer the liar in a little bit. Brian, I want to thank you so much for hanging out with us tonight, uh, joining the show. A lot of great stuff uh, that you brought to the table. I want to wish you best of luck. Uh, in all your leagues this year, but especially in pros versus Joes. And we're doing, we're broadcasting those shows live. Uh, I, I hope you get a chance, uh, a couple of minutes during your draft to call in, hang out with us again, maybe make a pick on the air. That, that would be, uh, that would be tremendous for all of us. That'd be a blast. And this was a blast. And you gotta, you gotta do you know my pro uh, pros versus Joes team name? Uh, I'm, I have no idea. What is it? Okay. It's pros knows what? what our team name is. Oh, oh yeah, remember that from last year. Yeah, 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 I do remember that. Okay. That's a blast. Nice. It's a great I, to play against those guys, uh, you know, all the writers, and, and, and it's neat to be able to, to beat them. <laughs> <laughs> and, that, and that's the thing, Brian, is, is I believe you lost to Derek Lee. Uh, he finished first in your league, another Joe. So that, that league was Joe in first, Joe in second. So congrats, and, and thanks for yeah. pulling that off. Well, thank you, guys. Brian, Brian. You bet. Thank you so much for coming on. Brian Pakula, ladies and gentlemen, the uh, second place finisher in, I don't remember which league it was, Land of the Lost or something like that last year, in his Pros versus Joe's League, uh, 11th place overall, made the championship round seven out of eight times in the main event, ladies and gentlemen, high stakes fantasy football. That is a guy you should be taking advice from. Okay, moving on, Dave.
Would you like to talk about former co-host of this show? Yeah, Meyer the liar. Ron Meyer, two packer, as as he's affectionately known in the in the <laughs> chat room here. So okay, so you know the story better than I do. So what happened when you were in a draft with him? Oh, you wanted me to actually tell this story. Well, I want you to tell the story because I mean, all yeah. I saw, this is what I ended up seeing. I saw a, a, a trophy that was in a box in Kentucky, and on it was the word where the words Meyer the liar, and I'm like. <laughs> What 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 is this? I think what it happened? just it said Ron, Ron Meyer is a liar. Yeah, Ron Meyer is a liar. Right. Yeah. And then at some point, like thirty minutes before that, I heard some woman shrieking, and I looked over, and I think it was you. Oh, it was me shrieking. Yes, it was like, ah! like <laughs> oh my god, is someone getting raped? Oh no, it's bulky. He's oh, mad right. at Meyer. I don't know what happened. Yeah. So basically, I don't want to bore the listeners with this, but basically, it was in Kentucky at the Horseshoe Casino in Louisville, and we had. A break after like the seventh or eighth round. I don't know. Maybe it was as late as round 10. I can't remember. Meyer was drafting in the 12 spot. I was in the 11. And we took a break. We went to get a drink. And we were so talking. So you had these major picks? Or no, no it, was, it was on him. Okay. He was coming back to make okay. the pick. And he said, and I can't remember who it was, but it was like, a, it was like hey, Balky, who, who do you think I should grab here? Like Sam Bradford or Tony Rome? I don't know who it was, but it was like a quarterback or a tight end or a receiver. wasn't even the same position. Right. And then Meyer kind of walked away and the real Leroy came up and I was talking to the real Leroy and I said, hey, I really want Steven Jackson here as my third running back. Um, I, that's who I'm going to take because I, I just talked to Meyer. He's not taking him yeah, at all. Yeah. We get back and we sit down at the table. Uh, Farrell says, okay, Mr. Ron Meyer, you are now up. And then Meyer's like, yeah, I'll take Steven Jackson. And I'm like, <laughs> You've got to be kidding me. I just, and then I don't, I made so he didn't a, really lie to you, did he? But he didn't tell the truth. And <laughs> so, if you don't tell the truth, you're a liar in my book. So that's where that came from. So then you wrote it on his little trophy? I didn't write it on the trophy. Or but, you wrote it on the box? Well, yeah, Farrell gives the trophies from the previous year. And Meyer won some league. I can't remember which, maybe it was a main event league that he won. Mm -hmm. And then he's like, he went to go get ice cream or gamble or something. He's like, Hey, bulky, why don't you just look at this for me? And I'm like, okay. So then I was like holding on to it, making sure nobody took it. And then I was like, you know what? Screw this guy. So I just wrote in big, bold letters of the Sharpie. My Ron Meyer is a liar. That's awesome. And then it stuck. Yep. So there oh, we yeah, we've named team names. Meyer, the liar, Meyer, the liar. <laughs> okay. So let's move on Dave and get to uh, fantasy feedback with about 14 minutes left in the show. Kick things off here. With... Actually, let's talk about the fits things. Speaking of oh, lying. Okay. Let's hold talk on. about our lie. Okay. What's wait? What's the lie? Well, we we were lying about Fitz's stats last week. Oh, we're gonna get into that. We're gonna get into right, that. Right. I, but I I want to. How many offenses are we up to on the bad offense list? We have eight now. One, two, okay, these are some of the different ones that we have. We have Jacksonville, Cleveland, Oakland, Arizona, Buffalo, the Jets, San Fran, Tennessee, Washington. Are okay. Some of the nominations. I might have missed a couple here. So today. that's so that's nine. I don't know if you, if you missed any. So nine teams that we will no longer talk about on this show. Let's see what oh Carolina. Eh, I'm just talking about Carolina. Okay, so we'll keep Carolina in there. Yeah. Did um, you add oh you got San Francisco? Rob had Tennessee, but I'm or I'm not Tennessee. Tennessee, I think, should stay in there. And yep. Tampa Bay, though. I we've talked about you know what I'm putting Tampa Bay on there because I'm sick of talking just, about Tampa so Bay. So it's just totally you've talked about Tampa Bay too much, right? There's nothing more that you can glean yeah. from us talking about Tampa Bay this year. Right. So that's it. Done. Yeah. One more. We need that final one. All right. So you put should it, get me you get like a gong sound effect. Put so it if someone listening. mentions it, it gets gone. <laughs> Yeah, let's talk about the elite offense. Let's talk about like the Packers and talk about the Colts. Okay, we'll talk maybe, about that. Maybe it's because it's like, yes, draft those guys. That's why there's nothing to talk about. That's there. There's a lot to be said for that. And maybe we, I don't know. We'll we'll take. A, I promise you this. We're not talking about any of those offenses next week on the show. <laughs> well, yeah. no All right, just don't. All right. It. 
you're, at, you're so witty. At Jonathan underscore Kip on Twitter. Thoughts on who to own behind Jay Stu as the handcuff? We talked a little bit about this. I think it was two or three weeks ago. Cameron Artis Payne would be my selection there. Although the caveat with that, I don't think I don't know if I would handcuff Stewart because if he gets hurt, the cap man, Cameron Artis Payne, is gonna get carries. Don't forget about Mike Tolbert, who always seems to gum up the works whenever there was an injury to Carolina's running back last year. I don't know if there's a good Carolina running back to own. Well, plus Cam also, he'll, he'll sneak him in, he'll jump over the line, and then sometimes he'll do a sneak, not, not just a sneak straight ahead, he'll do the bootleg. You know, Cam, he's 260 pounds. He's probably the best choice for anything inside the two-yard line, really. Right. But, I mean, they still gave it to Tolbert. They do, but I mean, it, it's like literally. But I guess that's semantics. Yeah, at this if you're point on the inside the three yard line, the odds of the guy who's like seven yards back getting right. a touchdown, yeah, twenty percent with that offense. Yeah, it's terrible. That's true. That's very true. So if you have Jonathan Stewart this year, Dave, you get a great deal on him. Are you backing him up? I, nice leading question. No, I, I wouldn't back him up anyway. I wouldn't either. That's and not he, a leading question. I don't that's, like. I don't like to back up the cheap running. Like if you're getting him cheap enough, right. he's gonna be your third guy. So why do it? Now, unless you're in some sort of bizarre 60 team league where you really need to lock up a backfield when you get it, then then do it. Uh, what about St. Louis as uh, offense, bad offense number 11? Would you like to lump them in there? Nick Foles, Kenny okay. Britton company? All right. Yeah, St. Louis, we don't need to talk about them until like week seven. Because well, oh, Gurley? Yeah, once, Gurley once, back. once we unwrap that uh, Halloween present, yeah. you know, Halloween candy, yeah. a little Gurley. So. Okay. So, okay. So, ST, okay. So, we'll, we'll talk about. The, the 11 teams we're not talking about on this show anymore <laughs> until until uh, the 2016 season. Right. Moving on, Dave. Uh, we have talked a lot about Kelvin Benjamin and Devin Funchess. I agree. You said on this show last week, Devin Funchess, you believe, is a head, stands a good chance to be the number one receiver on Carolina by season's end. I said, I don't think that. <laughs> so we, that is what you, we what couldn't you come up with a good agreement. So what I did... For a bet. Because, I mean, Benjamin is the de facto number one. Right, he Even is. though he's been eating at Burger King or somebody supposedly chubby. Eh, he's nine chubby. pounds. He's already lost some of it. I wouldn't worry about it. Yeah. Okay, so anyway, so what I did, Dave. And rookies, wide receivers aren't that great. That's true. I'm, 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 I'm backing off a little bit. No, you're just trying to get me give you a bigger point spread yeah. is what you're trying to do. Yeah. So, okay, so Benjamin versus Funches. How do you quantify this? Well, I went to famed NASA rocket scientist David Dodds' <laughs> rankings uh -oh. and his projections. He was just in a trade show. He hasn't been working on Well, I don't know when they were updated last, right. but they're on the footballguys.com website right All right, now. let's see what Dodds is. Benjamin projects uh, – Kelvin Benjamin uh, – or D Dodds projects this. I, I don't think he'll mind me revealing this on the air. 75 catches mm -hmm. for 1,020 yards yep. and nine touchdowns. That's 231 points. All right, okay? PPR right up. Funchess. 37 catches, uh -huh. 451 yards, mm -hmm. three touchdowns, 100.1 <laughs> fantasy points. This he is has, great. I'll take it. He has Kelvin Benjamin straight up. I wouldn't even do oh, that I'll, to I'll you. I'll take 131 points. That's the difference. Yeah, okay. That's not – I mean – Why are you bringing this up? Be, because we're going to make a wager. Now, last week you said 65, which, interestingly enough, is splitting the difference here between the two. I was I was feeling generous. Okay, and so you know what, what? – that, that was that offer at that time. Did you see the movie Draft Day? Yeah. You passed on that offer. You decided to We live in a different world than we did 30 seconds ago. <laughs> That's right, Balky. The world changed this last yeah. week. Yeah. All right. Okay. So you really, you did literally. Did you see all the terrorist attacks? Uh, well, let's not. I don't want to bring this up on the show. Gay marriage? It's fine now. People don't listen to this show to listen about hey. terrorist attacks and gay marriage. The world has changed. It's bad enough they have to listen to us. <laughs> we're not, we're not going to, uh, you know, put that on the airwaves. They can get that literally anywhere else right now. 
Um, okay, I'll do it. I don't even care. <laughs> I'm so annoyed right now. All right, how about 90 points? 90 points. Is that, you know, that's fair, right? Okay, is that's that fine. Fair, fairer, or is that fair? Do you feel okay about that? I'm fine with that. Wanna make it a win-win here? No, make it a win-win-win. All right. Okay. Kelvin Benjamin minus 90. I, I'm the same as uh, Devin Funches. I got five on it. I got five on it. I'm taking Funches officially for the record. Plus 90. Plus 90. I don't think I've ever said it right once. Okay, we're going to get that uh, logged in here. Mutual friend Ryan is all over that. All right, let's talk about Ryan Howell, Hawkeye Hellraisers. Uh, bit of a After the stats snafu. Last, yeah, it's the stats last week. I was ready to take Fitz in the first round. He sent me an email. <laughs> the split stats for Fitzgerald with Palmer were actually over six games and not four, as I had reported. I went back to my formula in Excel. My formula was correct. It just didn't work. <laughs> I would rather admit my mistake, though, and say the split is still extreme, but not as extreme as I presented. So here it is. With Palmer as quarterback, Fitz last year in six games, 32 for 43 and two touchdowns. That's 15.8 uh, points per game. Without Palmer, eight games, 31 catches, 301 yards, 7.6 points per game. So uh, touchdowns about the same. Uh, the receptions about the same. Yardage which was much, much more with uh, Carson Palmer. Over a full season, the Palmer stat line would produce 85 catches, 1,288 yards, five touchdowns, which would have been good enough for the 13th receiver last year. Okay. All right. All right. Um, he also uh, talked about, we we're talking about uh, drop rates. Now, this is interesting to me. Um, he found 513 players uh, that fit the criteria for uh, this drop rate stat. He was surprised at the findings. And I apologize, I don't, I, I cut off the email. Uh, ultimately, show that there's nearly no correlation between drop rates from year to year. Seven players in 2014, Victor Cruz, Lamar Miller, Rashad Jennings, Kyle Rudolph, Andre Roberts, Vernon Davis, and Luke Wilson. They had a 10% or greater drop rate last year. Not a single one of those players had a drop rate above 5% in the previous season. Uh, so, and here's the other one. Looking at the past drop leaders among tight ends, okay? I've been, you know, I don't know what you're talking about. Just how, I've all been, that, just I've been listen typing, to like, you know, emoticons in the That's yeah. fine. But the listeners are listening to this. Anthony Fasano had the worst drop rate among tight ends. He improved from 2.8% uh, uh, or excuse me, proved proved to two point eight percent from a twelve point one percent drop rate. Is this the, the year? Is, before, this, is this the audible? Just listen to this. <laughs> the year before, Delaney Walker went from a twenty point five percent drop rate all the way up to four point seven. The year before that, Dallas Clark thirteen point nine to four. Every single one showed significant improvement from one year to the next. So Eric Ebron, a guy who dropped a lot of passes this year. Maybe he improves in that stat this year, what the which hell is are you talking the about? long journey to the 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 dessert at the end. So right, this so is all drop rates. There's no correlation right. between drop rates from year to year, and every single one who led the the drop rate category for tight ends over the past three years Im significantly improved the following year. TL semicolon DL. Okay, whatever. You know, I'm just trying to. You know, people. <laughs> Oh, Balky, you're so funny. What you're the so, hell are you talking about? No, they're always like, you're so funny. You're so handsome. We love you so much. Why <laughs> I've don't never you, heard the handsome. Uh, people say this all the time. Like, why don't you ever talk about real stats on the show? We're all sick and tired of talking about how good looking and funny <laughs> and hilarious you are and what a great guy you are and what right. everything you do for charity and all that <laughs> stuff. And right, sum it up. What what the hell are you talking about? You talk about drop rates and people okay, say, oh, he, can, he can't catch passes. Who? There's no correlation. What, what, what player are you he talking did, about? He, I brought up a list of seven people, and then I was talking about the tight ends, the guy who led the drop rate for tight okay, ends. Ebron. So Ebron. 
Yeah. All right. So Ebron had a lot of because drops. Because he What's because he had a lot of drops last year, it does not necessarily mean he will have a lot of drops oh, this because, year. Okay, because drop and, rates vary. And, right. And right, and and he should show significant improvement in that and not just uh, just a little bit. He should be a lot better at it. Okay, great. You, you know, I you know what I you know, this isn't this isn't like a college theory. You don't have you know, you're not doing a doctorate, you don't need to prove the theorem. You just, you know, get to the point there. I just wanted to be thorough. <laughs> That's pretty good, man. Fine. Mike, so Ebron equals good, possibly. Mike Manchester sent us an email, Dave. Oh, good. This will be our first Terminator. He's joining the Terminator this year. Uh, have you covered the strategy on these uh, Terminator drafts? Tunesinator. In, in any of your HSFF podcasts. We have not covered the strategy other than the fact that we talk about it with whoever wins. We always bring the champion on every single year. Yep. Uh, the Terminator, a fun format. 28 rounds. Is it 28 or is it 26? Are you sure? Because you got to, no, I don't know. I think it is 26 because you drop one player every uh, single yeah. week to get down to a starting lineup. Good point. So it's, I'm going to have to check the software. You have, yeah. <laughs> so you have, it worked last year. So you have to choose, you, you, you get your 26 players. And then after each week, you drop one player. Including before week one, or otherwise we terminate you before the season even starts, which really sucks. Right. And if you're looking, and you've said this all the time, if you want a contest that you have an unfair advantage on, just join the Terminator and don't forget to drop a player because people forget about it all the time. Yeah, it's great. It's like a you know, 3% uh, dumb shit rate. All right. Just, know, like 3% people like, are just stupid. Well, you know what? They get mad because, you know, oh, you know I, I had to go to a game, you know, and then I didn't have the game. Well, so you should have done it on Right. Um, I'm an email every week. I know you do. They used to get mad yes. when we sent the email, like the hardcore guys. Like yes, Mark, I, Mark I, Moyer I, hated it. Why are you sending an email <laughs> to remind him? I'm like, you know, come on, we're trying to help out. And then he didn't cut a guy once he was all mad. <laughs> that was my next question. I'm like, you know, like, it's not my fault. You, you only 20, sent one email. Yeah, you work for the Whopper, the War Games computer, and you're working 24-hour <laughs> shifts. What do you want me to do? Mark Moyer, by the way, former guest on the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour. So the strategy for this, Dave, do you apply any different strategy to the Terminator as opposed to maybe a different, like a standard draft experts? I don't know if it's much different for me. I think that there's maybe you go for some higher upside guys because it's easier to cut them. Because you didn't know after three or four weeks if, if they're going to do anything unless they're Odell Beckham. And then you got to wait a little bit longer. So I think that there's more of an advantage if you can if you can take a guy with a extremely high ceiling and extremely low floor because those are the easy guys to get on the chopping block right away. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, you know, it's fun. It, I, I have not played Terminator because I can't play it. So, I mean, we should really get some guests on that have played we it. We have. We have. I mean, we just don't ask them enough about it enough. But uh, I would think it's le I would be less likely to handcuff uh, myself, actually, because you can't keep the handcuffs. You just can't do it. Um, so you would not draft handcuffs in the, I'd be, in the I'd, to me, I'd be less likely to do it. I okay. just I'd go for some more flyer wide receivers that you're not really sure of the role and kind of see what's going to happen with that, with that team in that position. It's like by week four or five, you can determine like, okay, this guy's garbage. This is the one that's good. You know, like there were, especially running games where you're not sure what's going to happen kind of thing. Final item tonight, Derek Swanson on Facebook. Hey guys, love the show. One thing I would like to get your opinions on would be some Seattle Seahawks wide receivers. I have Russell Wilson somewhere from five to seven in quarterback rankings, but I don't think he's going to be able to repeat rushing yards or rushing TDs. He never lost a fumble last year, so he has to downgrade by that logic. But the Eagle Scout is going to produce the guy's a winner and competitor. Someone is going to have a have to catch passes, and I don't know who. What say you? Is it Doug Baldwin? No, Wilson's going to run. Everyone's going to have 700 yards receiving. Dave is saying not a whole lot is going to be different. I would look at Jimmy Graham. I think that that's a guy. Yeah, Graham, you know, of course, Graham's good. Right. Okay. Okay. Everybody else so there you go, ladies and gentlemen. The show tonight, I'm too analytical, still very good looking, and Jerry, Jimmy Graham is good. 
Sure. That's going to do it for our show, ladies and gentlemen. Thanks to Brian Pakula, Castro, GTX, Caterade, FedEx, the FFPC, our producer, meet your friend uh, Rob, audio engineer Bryce, most of all, all your listeners. No show next week on the July 4th. Enjoy the fireworks with your family. A happy 4th of July. We have Joe Pike, former third place overall finisher in the FPC on July 10th. Your weekend this starts has been now. This episode of the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour presented by MyFFPC.com that was broadcast live and heard around the world. Eric and Dave will be back next week with more analysis, interviews, and advice from a guest much smarter than they are. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk with you again next week. Joe said that I'm the best in the West.